Let's begin by having you tell me your latest adventures in Enlightenment land. <laughs> My latest adventures, I feel completely unenlightened. I feel it's kind of funny because for a while I felt like I was making such progress and then everything just went to hell. Oh, good. This is great. Perfect. That's what I wanted to hear. Really? <laughs> good. <laughs> and that's what I need to hear because I'm like, oh, man. I have no confidence. Uh, I mean, wonderful. I can still meditate and everything. It's just, uh, it's really hard. And okay, more's the pity. We'd get it. We'd do even better today if you couldn't meditate anymore. But we'll work with what we have. And well, then I signed up for this week-long retreat, and that got canceled. So now I'm, I'm seriously, I'm like, oh my god, what am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. I was hoping this week-long retreat would kind of, you know set me straight again but okay. and they didn't have enough registrants so they canceled it well I, I you just plays completely into what I think we should talk about okay good so it's really hard to get enlightened when you're already enlightened <laughs> so when everything's going well um, it's just so hard to make any progress because and I'm the champion here of doing this, so I will form the new enlightened um, identity at, at whatever level it is, and then create a plateau by by under, having to understand it and and write about it and create models and so forth. But all that does is it, it locks you in to a, to a place, becomes a plateau, and you're not ready to make progress again until you realize that you're a chump. And, yeah, I'm right there. Okay, I so am let, like... me just, let me give you some video for a minute because I want to show you okay. something. Okay, can you see me? Yes. Now, the ideal situation in with regard to enlightenment would, would be if you could just smoothly sail down into it. You're just losing more and more of yourself, of yourselfing on this smooth continuum. Mm -hmm. And maybe for some people that's how it works, but for a lot of us it works more like this. You take a step down, and another step down, another step down. Interesting, one interesting thing about these steps down is that it never seems to end. I can't find anybody that I can talk to who says there aren't that the steps down don't continue. So it seems infinite. And just when you think there's no way it couldn't possibly go any deeper, well, and it does. But the, the, time, the, the thing that gets it to go deeper is when you've formed your little plateau, your little enlightened life, and then something shakes you out of it. And you find out. <laughs> oh, you're amused. <laughs> I was kind of amused for a while too, but I'm not so amused. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is all this is all good. <laughs> it's really good. So it is that the very fact that you have found out that that you're a failure that allows the next bit of progress. So so this is what what you really want to embrace. Um, yeah, I, I failed again. I cannot sustain myself in any kind of a, a state. I can't surrender. Sometimes I can't even meditate. 
can't get any jhanas. I'm completely painted into a corner here. That's the best possible situation. Yeah, well, that's where I'm at, and I need you, so <laughs> guide me out of the corner. <laughs> okay, you can't be out of the corner. The fact <laughs> that you're in the corner, this is exactly where you need to be. Because as long as you have that little bit of wiggle room, let, let's say you had some wiggle room and you and you could put yourself into a jhana, for example, yeah, to feel good. Well, that would just hold you up. That would just keep you on the plateau. You really have to be painted so thoroughly into the corner that you can't budge. I can't, I can't escape this moment in, with any of my tricks. You know, you spent a lifetime developing all of these tricks for manipulating your experience, but now every time you do it, it just hurts. So you, you okay? I'm, I'm trying to get out of this moment. No. Yeah, I mean, I've been through this cycle before, and then if everything goes to hell, it feels really awful. But those are like the times that somehow you figure out how not to get there again. Or I don't know how to explain it. But yes, I've I've probably been through the darkest of dark nights. Not right now, but in the past. So then I came out of that and was like, wow, completely different. Just instantly changed but I don't think I ever would have gotten there if I hadn't had a total just everything fall apart okay so at what point do we start to recognize that this falling apart is the practice this is the this is the moment this is the, the what you've been working toward everything else was a prelim to getting to the point where you can't budge you got no chance of escape you're yeah. hosed yeah okay so here we are totally hosed let's talk about Mahamudra okay let's look at three aspects of Rigpa, which is just another way of saying Mahamudra. I'll turn off the video now. What did you call it? Ringpa? Rigpa. Rigpa. Is that um, Tibetan? Tibetan, yeah. Okay. So both Rigpa, it's just different traditions using very similar language to point to the same phenomenon, which is the, the uh, essential nature of mind. So, according to Tsokni Rinpoche, the three, there are three aspects of Rigpa that we can look at, which are useful to look at. They, those three aspects are looseness, brightness, and lucidity. So here we are, talking about looseness. Looseness is, it has to start here, because if we if we were to uh, clamp down and say, okay, I know what Rigpa is, I know what the essential nature of mind is, and I have to uh, possess that, we would overshoot it. We would, our very effort to see it would, uh, would just create a, an opaque screen of agitation. 
and we would fail. So well, we're getting good at failing, so we're in good shape. But looseness, we don't have to do anything about it because if there is an essential nature of mind, it's, it's always present. So let's just take a minute to um, realize that we don't have to do anything. And you don't have to not do anything. You don't have to not be confused. You don't have to stop thinking. You don't have to like the situation. You don't have to be awake. So there's no pressure. And we can look at the second aspect, which is brightness. Now this brightness refers to the clarity of the five senses. So sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when you look around, for example, looking at seeing, you can see that colors are rich and shapes are compelling. And things look especially three-dimensional. Turning toward hearing, you can notice that sounds are crisp, as though they're happening within a great space. So this is the second aspect of brightness. And we're, the whole time we still have the looseness. There's nothing that we have to do about any of this. But we can't count on brightness all the time. Sometimes the senses are dull. Which brings us to the third aspect, which is lucidity. And this refers to the awareness itself. The fact that awareness is is clear even when the senses are dull. Awareness is, is how you know the senses are dull. And sometimes you can get a whiff of something clean. something pristine, 
unstained and unstainable. It feels like a cool breeze through the mind. As long as you don't clamp down on it, as long as you're satisfied with just a whiff, you can notice just about any time you turn gently toward it or rather just glimpse it out of the corner of your eye, there is this sweetness. And you can let your body be the carrot and the stick to guide you toward it. You can just ask yourself what doesn't hurt. Well, obsessing hurts. So I just feel the body and I realize it doesn't really want to go in that direction. I don't have to do anything about it. It just doesn't want to go there. But Mahamudra doesn't hurt. It feels lovely. Okay, are you are you like working your psychic powers right now? Yes. That's pretty good. <laughs> It's really not very psychic. It's just the normal neural resonance between two people. Okay. And so we can notice underlying and pervading and suffusing everything is this sweetness. And we can even appreciate having come to wit's end to find out the bigger, the more I, I fail, the more tightly boxed in I am to this moment, the better. I can't distract myself by copying a jhana. I can just feel, I can just be here in this body feeling the, the pain, if there's pain, and noticing that even in the moments of pain there's this purity. It 
and it's okay even if I if I lose it it's okay because I can then remember the first of those three aspects which is looseness oh yeah I don't have to do anything about this the less I have a choice the better the more I realize I'm, I'm doomed to this moment, like it or not. Then I just stop fighting it, and I, and I let the body guide me. What doesn't hurt? Mahamudra doesn't hurt. Unless I try to possess it, if I try to clamp down, but then I would just have to remember looseness. Nothing I could do would knock me out of the essential nature of mind because because it frankly doesn't exist in the ordinary sense of the word it's not a thing it's not a place it doesn't have any shape doesn't have any size and in the same way that you can pollute the air but you cannot pollute the sky you cannot pollute the essential nature of mind it's not manifest and yet it's everything arises and passes away within awareness now if I were to ask myself if I were to look up at the clouds and I might panic for a minute I might see the clouds and I might say oh no where's the sky the clouds are obscuring the sky but in fact I'm in the sky. The earth is in the sky. And when you take everything out of the sky, everything manifests, the sky doesn't even really exist. It's just potential. And that's why it can't be polluted. That's the magic, the, the secret, the secret weapon of, of the essential nature of mind is that it doesn't exist and therefore cannot be sullied. And yet it gives, it's the basis for everything. It's not other than everything. We're not other than the sky. <laughs> 
We're not separate from the sky. And we're so thoroughly defeated by life that we really have no other choice we have no choice but this experience and this experience is all happening within and permeated and suffused by awareness, the essential nature of mind. It's always like this. You're like Dorothy waking up in her own bed. She had all those great adventures in the land of Oz only to find out she was safe and sound in her own bed the whole time. You've always known this. This is why life seems absurd. You can't really take it seriously, except in those moments when you do. But this sense of absurdity happens from this intuitive realization that things are not what they appear. I'm not really being threatened. Because something much deeper, something much more fundamental than these phenomena that come up to create this sense of I the more fundamental reality is this purity so I just turn toward the purity when the fear comes, you notice the purity. And the worse it is, the more desperate you are, the more you really have cause for celebration because it's really being ground out of you bit by bit this tendency to try to win to try to preserve this doomed organism is being ground out of you it's not who you are anyway 
as long as we think we have a chance of winning, it's really hard to make progress. Lao Tzu said, embrace defeat willingly. Humiliation is the human condition. It's a funny thing that can happen when defeat becomes your ally. You can't fear defeat anymore when you realize that every time you've been defeated, you've gone deeper. Well, that's what, I mean, I've come to recognize that. I'm like, oh, I think this is just the stumbling block I need to get me over bigger stumbling blocks. I mean, I guess I've been through it enough where I, it, even though it's, I'm in a degree of agony, but I'm not really letting it show <laughs> like I used to. <laughs> but it, what I've noticed is that if I really struggle with something Without that struggle, I wouldn't have this skill to overcome other things. And then it, except, you know, there's things I, I really was very impressed with myself that just weren't bothersome to me at all anymore. And now mm-hmm. <laughs> they are all bothering me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I can, I, I do have a sense of humor as to my own suffering. And I see its usefulness, although I'm ready for it to stop. <laughs> Well, the the um, that that recognition, that reflection is is extraordinarily valuable, and it's not enough. So, you, you, but you also have this other recognition, this deeper recognition, that it's not even a question of having to rationalize it. That I really am. I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm painted into the corner. Okay, and I just relax into it. So it's a, it's a momentary recognition, uh, deeper than thought. I'm not going to win. It's such a relief. The thing that wants to win is a momentarily arising idea. The deeper reality doesn't, winning and losing, it's not even an issue, it's completely untouchable. You remember something that Nisargadatta said one time that I thought was cute. He said, the gods can't touch me. <laughs> the gods can't touch me. 
and that's not a, that's not coming from a grandiose version of I. That's coming from I don't exist. As long as you have any wiggle room at all, thinking that you're going to win or that you're going to get out of this alive, it's really hard to make progress. So this turns the whole thing on its head. I'm confused about whether to celebrate or or be in despair. So what doesn't hurt? Feel the body. What doesn't hurt? Stop fighting. That's all. It just happens in, in this moment. I can't stop fighting for good. I just stop fighting now. That doesn't hurt. Mahamudra.